0: Hey, good evening, Los Angeles, and welcome back to another episode of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and we will be with you for the next hour as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I'm joined in studio tonight by my good friend, Mr. Tony Yu. Tony, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Tonight, we're going to be talking about all that's kind of going on in the Middle East with Israel and Hamas the devastation that's really going on we're going to kind of unpack that talk about it from a a biblical perspective in light of you know islam muslim doctrine and what islam teaches and you know kind of what we're going to be getting at is how ideologies or how beliefs and ideas work themselves out in in ways that we are seeing um overseas and it has been quite a devastating picture and we want to encourage people. We want to help people think through this in a biblical way. We don't just want to be reacting to every every you know soundbite or news article or tweet or whatever you call them now that you know Twitter is no longer called Twitter. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do that tonight. Tony is. A resident expert in you know all things evangelism uh, for sure, but he also has extensive experience in ministering and evangelizing and um, doing apologetics to the Muslim community. He has, I think, you've been on the Carm with Matt Slick uh, for discussions or debates or conversations uh, about Islam or with with Muslims. He are you a friend? you're associated with uh, Sam um, was it Sahoun? Shamoon Sam Shamoon. are you you've you've done some work with with him as well?
1: We're both actually uh, affiliated with Ministry to Muslims. Um, and that's how we gotcha. come into contact with each
0: other. Awesome. So he's here in studio, so he'll be kind of uh, giving us the uh, a lot of the a lot of the doctrine. And a lot of the tools that you guys can use to better understand Islamic doctrine and how we can go about really reaching them with the gospel, you know, and reaching Jewish people also with the gospel. We definitely want to talk about Israel. We want to talk about um, the Jewish nation, um, how that relates to us as Christians in uh, the scriptures. And so if you'd like to call us, we are a listener-supported show we do come here as as volunteers. This isn't our day job yet. Uh, we've been working towards that for a while, but uh, just haven't quite got there. But you can call us at triple eight ninety nine five K K L A. It's 888-995-5552. If you have questions about what's going on over there, if you have questions, maybe as it relates to hello family, Bible this is I was thinking- or any other. Christian, you know, topic in the scriptures, we'd be happy to engage with you on that front, or just, you know, pray or share uh, your stories. You know, this has been a pretty pretty heavy time for, for all of us. Um, so Tony, let's, you know, start just by, you know, maybe offering our condolences, obviously, to the Jewish community at large, you know, for the horrific uh, attacks that have been going on by um you know these these terrorists and um you know we just want you to know that we are praying for you i have many friends uh, who are jewish i grew up with a, a lot of jewish friends and going to bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and it's it's terrible you know what has happened i know there's been mentioning that this was the most uh, number of jews that have been killed in any single day since like the holocaust uh, which is which is pretty devastating. So, I think as Christians, we really want to just keep keep that community in our prayers, you know, and and seek to love them, love them the best we can. And so, um, what has happened thus far uh, over there in terms of you know physical altercations or violence? Like what what have we seen unfold? I, I'm not totally up to date, you know, minute by minute, but. Um, in general, Tony, what's what's been kind of going on over there?
1: Sure, let me give you the big picture flyover. So there was an operation planned by the terrorists uh, that took Israel by surprise. Uh, This was planned for at least a year. The the first thing that opened up was they fired a bunch of rockets into Israel, which was partly a distraction. And as the explosions were going on, the intention was gone with the rockets. They fired at the... Guards at the wall that surrounded the Gaza Strip to uh, to kill all the guards that were watching in what's going on at the border gates. And then they flew uh, these gliders, their paragliders, into Israel. Mm-hmm. They came off the gliders and cut all communication and electricity at the security fence to mm-hmm. to block communication so they can't communicate. So there was maybe an hour or two where uh, headquarters didn't even know what was going on and when they killed communication and electricity they drove bulldozers uh, and explosions to knock down the fence at which point uh, armed men on cars and on foot came into southern israel at which point they killed any soldiers they encountered and they began a slaughter of civilians men women children old people um at this point about 1400 people have been murdered 260 mm. of those were at this music festival that was actually a rave 25 of those that were killed are Americans and these are the numbers we have now 150 mm. were kidnapped brought back into Gaza um it's a very terrifying thing because they will most likely be tortured and and raped some have already been raped before they were killed 3000 have been injured um, primarily, the targets were civilians, the most innocent types. Uh, these are people at kibbutzes, right. which are sort of the pacifists, the mm. hippie types that live in communes and, and grow things, grow food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there have been, uh, it's been known that there was this one place where 40 children were murdered. Some of them were beheaded, burned, uh, completely dismembered uh as mm. gaza as they launched rockets from gaza into israel you, if you just go into youtube and type in rocket launch from gaza you will see they're launching rockets from the cities from buildings or right next to buildings so they're using okay. their own people as human shields um Netenha- netanyahu has this um
0: in terms of the like retaliation
1: right so if you want to take out the rockets from from launching into israel you have to strike areas that are right next to or on top of civilians in their apartments so benjamin netanyahu has this uh phrase that's speaking of iron dome he says israel protects their women and children with rockets hamas protects their rockets with women and children yeah and that's what we're fighting against yeah it's
0: completely you know there's there's different theories on on war And there's this idea of just war, you know, theories and, you know, Hamas, the way they're going about it. You know, some of the—even though war is a terrible thing that you want to avoid really at all costs, there are, I think, biblical guidelines or biblical reasons why war can be justified, right? Absolutely. Um, Yet, even in war, even in that terrible scenario, there's principles— that most nations or have people have understood you follow these things, and some of those things include not killing civilians and women and children and those sorts of things. And it's like from from the get-go, those sort of rules of engagement, so to speak, have been completely ignored um, and not even you know and ignored and also kind of celebrated in the sense that, you're seeing these videos and, and pictures of these uh, horrific crimes that, you know, one would only think that these videos must, the source of them must be from, you know, Hamas themselves. You know, they took the videos, they, and they're, they're wanting them to be made known or made public. And that just kind of, you know, that level of depravity um, just kind of just takes this whole thing to a an entirely different level of evil it's a
1: psychological uh, war it's terror and hatred yeah but it's even worse than that because they they're claiming to fight on behalf of the people of gaza but they're using the people of gaza as human shields right. and when israel um, drops leaflets and tells people where the next uh, strike is going to be and tells people to, to flee mm-hmm. uh, hamas tells the gazans not to leave they want gazans to be killed for propaganda purposes
0: right so they could try to garner sympathy make israel look bad right yeah so what what does hamas want what is what is the goal what is what is kind of the driving ideology foundational beliefs um that are really behind this you know so what is the end game
1: you could look at the charter of hamas and but it really boils down to this. They're gonna tell you they want justice, they want peace, they want um a place for the people of, of the Palestinians to live. I don't think there's such a thing as a Palestinian because there's no such place as Palestine. The most famous Palestinian in the world is Yasser Arafat, who was an Egyptian. But I'm gonna use the word Palestinian anyway for shorthand. Okay. So they claim they want uh a place for the palestinians to live but in really in reality what they really want is they want all of israel to be owned by a muslim uh a muslim government mm-hmm. they want the death of every single jew on earth they want the entire land of israel to be taken over for islam mm-hmm. and the principle is this they believe that if any land has been conquered by a muslim force that land forever belongs to islam and because at some point in the past um the c- present day israel had been overrun by muslims therefore it is their right to own it
0: okay and where does where do these sort of beliefs or pr- you know bl- guidelines principles come from it comes from this. the
1: history of of muhammad how islam grew as is, it grew through terror, it grew through war, it grew through, mur- uh, grew through murder and rape. Hmm. So when you come into a society and you destroy any ability to defend itself and tell everybody they need to convert or die, everybody converts, right? Because they have, they have no choice. So within a generation or two, everybody is Muslim because they're their parents didn't teach them anything other than Islam because they were forced to to teach them Islam. Mm -hmm. So within a couple of generations through terror, through war, through murder, through rape, you will convert a nation into Islam. And that's how Islam grew. That's how Islam has always spread.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and so that, that's kind of what they're, what they're looking to do here is, uh, conquer Israel through war or violence and, and fear.
1: Yes, and they have a special hatred for Jews. In in the Hamas Charter, which is a quote from Hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, it says this, The day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight the Jews, killing the Jews. When the Jews will hide behind stones and trees, the stones and trees will say, O Muslim, O Abdullah, there is a Jew behind me. Come kill him.
0: Okay, so, so th- they see... They see this as a means to an end.
1: And the end being Judgment Day.
0: So they want to bring that about through this killing.
1: Through killing Jews. Of the Jews. Jews specifically. But their hatred isn't only for Jews. Their hatred is reserved for Christians and anybody who is not a Muslim who refused to to convert to Islam. Mm -hmm. In fact, what we're doing right now, when we're exposing the truth about Islam, they consider this persecution. They consider this Waging war, just because we're sharing ideas, this mm-hmm. is forbidden. It's haram in Islam.
0: Well, we're we're simply reading from their own charters and, and principles. We're just we're just reading word for word what yeah. what they say,
1: exposing what their what their beliefs are.
0: Yeah, and the word Hamas. You know, I fe- you mentioned something interesting about the word itself. It's actually in the in the scriptures mm-hmm. uh, in Hebrew although the hebrew word is not necessarily what uh, those who adhere to hamas are are meaning by it
1: so the word hamas as used by the muslims is an acronym which is islamic resistance movement turns out to hamas in the arabic letters okay but in the hebrew language there's a word that sounds the same hamas Mm -hmm. in in the concordance it's strong's h 2555 and the definition of the hebrew word hamas is violence wrongdoing mm. cruelty and injustice interesting and that seems like an interesting coincidence yeah maybe, maybe it's not bizarre. a coincidence in the spiritual realm and the first incidence of this word in the, in the bible is genesis six eleven. the earth also was corrupt before god and the earth was filled with violence hamas
0: mm. that was right before the flood
1: yeah hmm
0: Interesting. So, other places in so, what about this this law uh, governing the land? You know, this is from the Charter of Hamas as well, Article Eleven. Yes, it so, talks about reclaiming this land, and this is part of part of the motivating factor behind um, you know this long long standing conflict.
1: Right. So, I, I can read the uh, charter to you. Uh, this is the law governing the land of Palestine in the Islamic Sharia law. And the same goes for any land the Muslims have conquered by force. Because during the times of Islamic conquest, the Muslims consecrated these lands to Muslim generations till the day of judgment. So, any land that they feel ha- they see as being conquered by Islam belongs to Muslims, belongs to Islam forever until. the the return until their eschatology happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so,
0: so after world war two, I think Britain had control of that area. Uh, Israel, modern day Israel, Palestine, Mm -hmm. and they kind of set it aside to give back to the Jews. Right. Um, and then people started protesting. Right. Um, The British basically gave some to Palestine, some to Israel. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been basically, uh, you know, the Palestinian Muslims trying to basically reconquer or regain all of what they see as belonging to them.
1: Right. They will not be happy until they have all of Israel, until all the Jews are dead. They Mm -hmm. will pretend that they only want this or they only want that. But that's just an an incremental way to get what they really want.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there's not much room for negotiating or coming to some rational agreement, uh, it sounds like. Right.
1: So today, Gaza is the way it is, because I think back in 2005, Israel had this deal called Land for Peace. Mm-hmm. They moved out of Gaza and gave it back to... They gave it to the palestinians right so they can rule themselves Mm -hmm. and the idea was that they were going to now have peace with the palestinians there won't won't be as much violence because now they have a piece of land to call their own Mm -hmm. but the opposite has happened they fire rockets into israel from gaza Mm
0: -hmm. yeah have you are you familiar with the history of hamas when they were when they became like a an organization or a group uh, I, I
1: couldn't quote the year. I just read it earlier today, but it's, it was, it, in recent? The, uh, it was in the late or middle 20th century.
0: Okay. That's what I've heard too. I heard, I think some numbers or years in the eighties, maybe even the nineties,
1: so, something like that. Yeah.
0: Um, so if they're a group that found, was founded somewhat recently, um, why, you know, what is, what is different about them specifically? Um, that causes them to be this you know violent and radical amongst like the greater Muslim population
1: yeah let 's talk about that so let 's make sure our listeners understand we do not believe every Muslim is is like Hamas right um, but we do believe we know for a fact that the Islamic sources are Among the most violent and satanic sources on earth,
0: the scriptures, the
1: Quran, Quran and the Hadith, are the most evil writings on earth, and I can I'll share some of these with you today. Um, But most Muslims, especially in the West in America, don't understand. They haven't read much of their their own Quran and Hadith, especially the Hadith. So the the reason why Hamas is the way it is, is because it reads its sources. It reads the Quran, it reads the Hadith and understands it in context. Mm-hmm. So you can divide the Quran into two sections, the Meccan verses or the Meccan surahs and the Medinan surahs. When Muhammad started off and he claimed to be a prophet, he was nobody. He had to build up a following, what that was when he was in Mecca. So the only way he could operate was to pretend to be peaceful and he was, you know, uh, saying the Jews and the Christians and the Sabians and everybody were their friend, were his friends mm-hmm. and everything was peace. That's when you get your, your, um, your peaceful Quranic verses. Okay. But later he was kicked out of Mecca. He went to Medina where he found success. His grew, his following grew. And as his, as his power grew, he started to become violent. He started robbing caravans, um, raping, pillaging. That's Hmm. when the the violent verses, the Medinan verses, came into being. So in the Quran, you're going to find contradictory verses, some that say, uh, anybody can believe whatever they want, right? And then others say, Tolerance. Kill anybody who doesn't believe. Intolerance. Right? (laughs) Right. So how do you deal with that? So how do you deal with this contradiction? Well, within the Quran, there is a mechanism to deal with this contradiction or any contradiction in the Quran. Any verse that contradicts another verse, it's resolved by whichever verse comes later, abrogates the older verse. Okay. So do you remember what I said was the later verses?
0: The Medinan. Medinan. Which
1: are the violent verses. The violent ones, right.
0: Right. And so my understanding is that the Quran itself is organized in terms of length of chapter right so how do you is there like a chronological version of did the surahs tell you when they were written or how do you how do you get to the chronological there
1: is no way to get chronology from the quran itself
0: so how do they how do you get them the meccan versus the medinan like timeline so the only way what
1: to what get chronology written? is to read the hadith and their are volumes and volumes of books oh, okay and the hadith will comment on the the uh, the surahs and you can put together a timeline i believe there's somebody has put together a chronological quran okay i had to look that up gotcha but i wanted to mention that um as christians we don't just complain about the things that are bad yep. we want to do something about it yeah and ministry to muslims ministry to com. Yep. they have a weekly outreach to mosques and and, and uh, muslims on the streets they operate primarily in the Inland Empire so if you're interested in doing ministry reach out to ministry to muslimscom ministry to muslimscom
0: and you've done that I've done that what is that like for listeners what what, what would they ex- what could they expect if they wanted to kind of come alongside that ministry and and try to reach you know their Muslim neighbors
1: one of the biggest the most uh, often done events is they'll on a weekly basis go to a mosque stand outside uh, they, they time their arrival for before and after Friday prayers and okay. just have conversations with Muslims as they come in and out mm-hmm. and hand out literature. But uh, those have been very fruitful.
0: How do you approach those conversations?
1: So for me, I would say, hey, uh, so if I'm handing out literature, sometimes that's the gateway to get into a conversation. Did you get one of these? Can I, ha- can I give you one of these? Have you read uh, any part of the Injil? Injil is the gospel right yeah so you just give them literature and then i often will ask uh, here's a here's a great way to get a muslim into conversation um excuse me i'm interested in finding out more about islam can you tell me about islam yeah let them talk listen and and pay attention Mm -hmm. and once they talk to you now you can say can i tell you a little about what i believe once you've given them time they feel obligated to listen to you Mm -hmm. then you can share about jesus
0: yeah, what do you find, do you find something in the Old Testament um, in particular? I know I know they believe, uh, they say they believe the, the scriptures, Old Testament, you know, Noah, Abraham, Moses, those sorts of things. Do you find anything particularly helpful um, in terms of common ground uh, when witnessing to them?
1: Yeah, there, there are a lot of areas where we can point out in, this, in the Quran that point to Jesus, point to the Old Testament. But if we share anything that contradicts Islamic theology, they will claim that you're reading out of a book that's been corrupted. Right. So they, can, they have this automatic negation of anything that contradicts what they say. Mm-hmm. So let me share with you one apologetic tool. Um, David Wood, who is a f- famous uh, mm-hmm. apologist for Islam, coined it as the Islamic dilemma. And there's two verses. So, uh, I want you to remember these two addresses, 3-3 and 6-34. and six thirty four. 34 Okay. 3-3 says this. He has sent down to you, O Muhammad, the book in truth, confirming what was before it. And he revealed the Torah and the gospel. So chapter 3, verse 3 of the Quran says, the Torah and the gospel came from Allah. They are Allah's words. Six thirty four says, and certainly were messengers denied before you but they were patient over the effects of denial and they were harmed until our victory came to them and none can alter the words of Allah. So three, three says, basically my Bible or Allah's words, 6:34 mm-hmm. says Allah's words can never be corrupted. When you share this with them and you slowly walk them through these two verses, then you can make the argument that my Bible is incorruptible. If right. you say my Bible is corrupted, then you're saying that the Quran is saying, is telling you a lie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and since my Bible and your Quran don't agree on, on many issues, and your Quran says my Bible must be true, then you're saying that the Quran must be false. Mm-hmm. So either way, they're they're stuck. Okay. They're forced to listen to you.
0: So yeah, they can't they can't have it both ways. Right, right. They can't say both that the Bible is corrupt, and also that. Uh, the Quran is the word of God, otherwise the Quran is corrupt.
1: (laughs) Nowhere in the Quran does it actually say anything bad about the Bible. Right. In every place that mentions the Bible, it says it's true and incorruptible. Yeah. But most Muslims don't understand that.
0: Do they, does that resonate? Do they, have you ever come across and then they really give some thought to that? Or
1: I have seen that they're, they're really shaken by it. Especially when you show it to them. I, I have a Quran app on my phone. Yeah. I show it to them in, in the Arabic, in the English. Sometimes they'll insist on reading in the Arabic, the few who actually read Arabic. Right. And they can read it for themselves.
0: Wow. So we're coming up on the first break here at the apologetics.com radio show. Uh, we're talking tonight about Israel and Hamas and Islam and some of the foundational doctrines that have led to some of the violence that you're seeing coming from uh, this uh, group called Hamas. So stay tuned, we're with Tony Yu and Jason Gallagher and Tony sharing some great thoughts on how to reach your Muslim neighbors with the gospel. So we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. You're in the second half of our hour-long show as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. It's Jason Gallagher in studio with Tony U tonight and we are talking about Islam in relation to Israel and Hamas and all of the tragic things that are unfolding over there as we speak. And at the end of the last half, Tony was getting into Um, some ministry that he does uh, to Muslims with Ministry to Muslims, which you can find at ministrytomuslims.com, and how they go out to local mosques and start conversations with um, Muslims there. And it's been a very fruitful endeavor. So if you guys want to get involved with that, go to ministrytomuslims.com. And we were kind of talking about this idea that we don't want to assume that uh, all Muslims are Hamas, right? They are a fairly small percentage of the actual muslim population and you know I was talking to tony about this a little bit before and he and tony tony had a great answer he said well just you know if you want to minister to a muslim don't don't assume that they're that they're filled with hate and uh, you know terror assume that they're good assume that they're nice you know and assume that they're they're uh, peaceful
1: and the vast majority are, and
0: the vast majority of them are and guess what if you talk to them if you start talking to them about the gospel you'll probably find out you know where they're at along that spectrum um but the majority is especially here in america you're gonna you're gonna come across uh peaceful peaceful muslims um i know i know plenty of them and so don't don't fear them um, understand that they need the gospel just as bad as as you and i did um, I will throw out the number what again, comes, what comes if you want to give God. us a call He's and talk most. about uh, what's going on overseas with Israel and Hamas and um, anything along those lines or anything just the related to the Radio Bible Show or Apologetics, you can Apologetics. call us at 888-995-KKLA, that's 888-995-5552. And real quick, I kind of want to unpack the heart of the issue here. For for Muslims, which I I hope will kind of give you a heart for them and um, give you kind of this desire to help them help them come to Christ. And so, why we need to be praying for them and ministering to them is because in the Quran uh, they do have. There's four things um, that I'll point out. They do have the idea, the concept of a holy God, a God that will uh, judge people when they die, that will send them to paradise or hell, right? There is that concept. There is that truth. And there is this idea of sin. There's this idea of a broken law, right? And there's a reality of judgment. That's three things that they do have. The fourth thing, which is actually something that they don't have, but it's an important point, is they don't have a mediator. There is no mediator for their sin. You have to stand before God on your own. And in Islamic doctrine, there is no real guarantee. It is kind of maybe this, uh, your life gets weighed in the balances, Maybe you're found wanting, maybe you're not, you have no idea, you have no peace. In, and we all know if you're gonna if you know you're gonna die, you know you're gonna stand before God, that could be the most terrifying truth that you have in your soul, to know that you're gonna stand before God and you have no clue whether or not you're gonna wind up in heaven or whether you're you're gonna spend eternity in hell. That could be absolutely terrifying. And rightfully so. That, that terror should drive us to seek forgiveness, a mediator. And that is exactly what we have in Christ, okay? The one thing, the one guarantee that the Quran does give Islamic adherence is knowing you will have peace when you stand before God is if you die during an act of jihad. Right. Um, Tony could probably give us the... the verse from the Quran. I, I don't have it right here, but, um, or maybe it's in the Hadith, but there is this internal argument in Islam on what exactly jihad is, right? Some people um, nevertheless believe that it is this kind of act of war or act of terror against unbelievers, and if you die in that sense, you will be guaranteed paradise. Um, I've actually spoken with a good friend of mine who is a Muslim about that. Um, he doesn't believe in the violent form of jihad, but he did explain um, that there are people who do believe in that. And so, if there's a guarantee, you know, some people see that as a way to get to heaven. Sadly, they won't. That will not get them there, as as we know from the scriptures. Um, and one of the a case in point is really, um, you know, a story I came across back in 2007 in Scotland. Right, two men drove this jeep into an airport attempting to set the place ablaze in a fireball, right? And these men, they failed, right? And they died 10 days later from their burns, right? Um, And these men were not down and outers, they were doctors. They were part of the National Health System Physicians. I don't know if you remember this, Tony? No, I don't. Um, But they were you know, well-to-do, well-educated doctors, but um, this is the result of a conviction of sin in your heart and in your conscience Uh, this idea of a holy God, but having no provision by God uh, to provide salvation. So understand that about the Muslim doctrine, Muslim theology, and then understand how important and valuable it is to bring that mediator, the knowledge of that mediator, Christ, to them, right? Jesus Christ can provide that perfect peace with God, because he provided that perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, right? Um, And so our love for these people has to be big enough to get over these barriers that we have, Um, and that is something only the Spirit of God can really do in our hearts, and I pray that you know he does that for me, as he does that for Tony, as he does that for those listening um, tonight uh, on the show. And so we are the ones, Christians, with the gospel who can reach muslims right around our cities our neighborhoods workplaces schools et cetera and with that i don't know tony do you want to add anything to that any sort of maybe um helpful tools uh, apologetics maybe in um, as you minister to muslims and kind of share the gospel with them
1: yeah three quick things um so your friend does not believe in the violent form of jihad i'm going to show you one verse out of the quran that says he's wrong Right. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 12. When your Lord revealed to the angels, I am with you, therefore make firm those who believe. I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. Mm-hmm. Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Mm. So who are they beheading? People who merely disbelieve. That, yeah. That's in the Quran, 8, 12. So let's talk about this the issue of um, assurance of salvation, which there is no assurance of salvation in mm-hmm. islam other than dying in jihad so let's let's show you from the quran uh, how people are saved through the quran chapter 101 verses 6 through 9 so as for those whose scales are heavy with good deeds they will be in a life of bliss and as for those whose scale is light their home will be the abyss so they're describing scales of good versus evil. If you've done more good than evil, then you're going to heaven or paradise. If you've done more evil than good, then you're going to go to the abyss or hell. Mm. So no one has any assurance. It's all based on works. So, but let me show you how no one, not a Muslim, not anybody, believes that this idea of a good deed can outweigh a bad deed at all. Okay. So here's what I share very often to people on the street who think that their their good deeds can outweigh their bad deeds as Islam teaches. So let's say you have your, your, your daughter st- standing next to you mm-hmm. and a horrible man comes and murders your daughter in front of you. He runs away. He gets arrested. The judge sentences him to life in prison.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then this murderer tells the judge, your honor, you don't understand. Last week, I donated... One of my kidneys to somebody who was dying and now he's alive because of my generosity i know i killed jason's daughter but i just saved another man by donating my kidney therefore we're even stephen now you have to let me go mm. would you or any muslim or anybody uh, allow the murderer of their daughter to go because they donated a kidney and
0: saved somebody else's life right absolutely not so what if let's make this? It's it's a great thing that they did, but <laughs> right, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Let's make right. the
1: example even more extreme. I was a fighter pilot. I stopped a kamikaze attack and I saved a thousand people on this aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. But yesterday I murdered one person. Right. A thousand to one. You should still give me a parade and forget about the murder. Mm-hmm. What do we do? What do we do with the good deeds? Those are great, but we have to judge any evil you do based on the evil itself. Mm-hmm. Any good deed is irrelevant to that.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: So, yeah. so the premise of what, what I just read out of the Quran in chapter 101, verses six to nine about how you're saved by having mm-hmm. your good deeds. That way you're bad. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. Nobody would ever accept that. The only way your sins can be forgive, forgiven, is for someone to pay. So who had to pay Jason? Christ, Jesus Christ, God himself, the one that we sinned against at the cross justice meets mercy because yeah. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins then God can grant us mercy mm-hmm. that we receive through faith before we do any works
0: amen and so that's that's the good news of the gospel and that's kind of the heart behind why we want to um you know the the condition that most of our muslim neighbors are in in terms of their um you know standing before a holy god and so on the other side of this conversation we have um, Jewish people, right? And it's important that we also minister to them. And so let's take, we wanna take the rest of the show to kind of speak to the idea of ministering to our Jewish neighbors, right? Understanding kind of the mindset that they are coming from. You know, and a lot of Jews are very (laughs) unreligious, you know, um, to a large extent and maybe more secular of a mindset some of them are more um you know practicing and and faithful faithfully adhering to kind of their their teachings in the old testament and so let's talk about that tony um let's kind of springboard and shift over to you know the same idea really ministering to to jews who um you know we have we have a large amount in common with, obviously, in the whole Old Testament, um, but obviously they miss a, a huge, a huge important part um, of the, you know, the Messiah, and mm-hmm. who is the Messiah, and um, what that Messiah came to do. So, why don't you frame, you know, kind of how you go about sharing the gospel with a with a Jewish person, Jewish, Jewish believer.
1: So I normally would start with Way of the Master. We'll discuss that later. But um, I wanna talk about Isaiah 53. A lot of Christians understand Mm -hmm. the power of Isaiah 53 and how to use it. So the standard technique is to start reading out of Isaiah 53, pieces of it, and not tell your Jewish friend where you're reading from and ask them to identify what this passage is talking about. Let me just read two verses. Mm -hmm. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by god and afflicted but he was wounded our for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities pre- the chastisement week, of our anyway. peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed it's the you ask your, your jewish friend who is this talking about was... and, and most of them will say you're talking about jesus you're you're reading from your your new testament mm-hmm. and, this and then you reveal the... to them no this is from the old testament right. your tanakh your bible mm-hmm. and they're shocked right And that does work. But um, uh, Jews have come up with an argument against this. Mm -hmm. They will say that Isaiah 53, the entire chapter, is about the Jewish people. That the Jewish people bore our griefs. And the Jewish people carried our sorrows. That Jewish people were esteemed stricken, smitten by God. And that Jewish people were wounded for our transgressions. So the argument is, who is Isaiah 53 about? Now I'm going to prove to you yeah, what Isaiah 53 is about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read to you verses 1 and 2. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant. I'll stop there. Mm-hmm. So if I ask you who the he is, for he grew up before him as a tender plant, and the answer must come from verse 1, what is, what is the answer? Who is the he that grew up before him? The answer is this entire chapter is about the arm of the lord and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed for he the arm of the lord grew up before him as a tender plant Mm -hmm. read this whole chapter it's about the arm of the lord now read verse five it says for he was wounded for our transgression point out to your jewish friend that this is substitutionary atonement jews typically don't believe in substitutionary atonement but there it is right there okay but who is this arm of the lord Well, if you go back two chapters, Isaiah fifty one, nine and ten, here is the secret to who the arm of the Lord is and who what fifty Isaiah fifty three is about. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awaken as in ancient days, in the generation of old. Are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? What event is verse 10 talking about? The, the depths of the sea for the redeemed to cross over? The exodus. Yeah, the parting of the Red Sea. Right. So it says arm arm of the Lord. Are you not the one who dried up the sea? So, so who, God. Who, right. Whose arm of the Lord? God. God. Clearly, and Isaiah 51, 9 and 10. Arm of the Lord is God. Arm of the Lord is God. So if we go back As to Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 OK? For he, the arm of the Lord God, grew up before him as a tender plant. Okay? Right. Go to he verse was, 5. He was pierced. He was but wounded. God was wounded for our transgressions, and God was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was on God.
0: Yes. And so by, there is no question And by who God's was, wounds...
1: We are healed. Right. So not only does this point to Jesus... how it, Does, does God have ready flesh for his and blood? Was he can, he's he's omnipotent, right? He can put on flesh and blood if he wants to. Right,
0: right, to. right. And he did.
1: right. So if we go to Genesis 18, for instance, um, Abraham looked up and he saw the Lord, all caps, Lord. He saw God. Mm -hmm. And then God, he saw God as three men. And then the Lord had a meal with him. He was even able to wash God's feet.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. God appears as as an angel or as a man constantly in the Old Testament if you're paying attention so use isaiah 53 to break through to jews and then just share the gospel um so the way the master is have you, you know, ha- are you a good person sure yeah. have you ever t- told a lie yes what do you call people who tell lies liar have you ever taken something that you don't own yes what do you call people who steal a thief so what this are weekend. you you're a thief so if they admit to lying and stealing you say it's okay you have a way to um to re- atone for your sins in the old testament When's the last time you offered an animal sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. The answer is never, because that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Right. So you have a problem, don't you? But that's okay. Those animal sacrifices only pointed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, And Jesus was your sacrifice. Bring them to Isaiah 53. Does mm-hmm. that help?
0: Absolutely. It should. Yeah, I've witnessed, I've, I've had a lot of, Fruitful conversations, I would say with with Jewish people, using that approach too. and I think using obviously, you know what you're referencing there, what the way of the master, you know, ray comfort, living waters. The biblical principle they teach is law, law to the proud, grace to the humble, law mm-hmm. before gospel. And the law is the schoolmaster that leads people to Christ. And how does it do that? Well, it shows us our sin, right? It shows us our need for forgiveness. It shows us our guilt, you know, before a holy God. And a a great point of common ground with a Jewish person is the Ten Commandments, right? The law that was given to Moses, the law that was written, you know, by God's finger on tablets of stone, and, you know, which is also written on our heart. I remember talking to a, a Jewish person one time. You know, I said, hey, you know, if if you died, would you go to heaven? And he said, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I said, oh, you know, why is that, you know? And he's like, well, because I'm righteous, you know? And I was like, okay, can I ask you a few questions to see if that's true? And, you know, immediate, I walked him through some of the law, some of the commandments, you know, lying, stealing, uh, taking God's name in vain, looking with lust. And, you know, in a matter of minutes, he had completely flipped, you know, his his... You know understanding of himself right that he wasn't righteous and then absolutely able to talk about the sacrificial system atonement what that looks like and how christ the messiah jesus of nazareth you know came to bear that sin once and for all upon himself and it's just it's just a matter of putting the gospel in the proper context you know for people
1: let's talk about sin as far as Israel, the nation as a whole, um, Israel holds a gay pride parade in Tel Aviv every year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this, uh, music festival that was attacked by Hamas, it was, it was a festival called the tribe of Nova music festival, Mm -hmm. but it's actually a rave where it's a drug filled party. And if you look at some of the videos from, from that, um, rave, you see this gigantic buddha statue hovering mm-hmm. over the entire event mm-hmm. so we see national israel sort of falling back into the israel of old with its sexual immorality and its idolatry mm-hmm. and if you look at judges verses uh, one and two then the children of israel did evil in the sight of the lord of- so the lord delivered them into the we hand apologize. of midian for seven years was- Okay,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then it goes on to say the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds, which are in the mountains. So they sinned against God. So God sent these more wicked people to attack them, and they're hiding in caves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I heard about all these things that were going on in Israel with this Hamas attack, it sounds just like this. Yeah. So I want to call for Israel to repent, to go back, to come back to the Lord, to take this horrible situation and reflect on their relationship with God and read their own Tanakh, their own old Testament, yeah. find out they're actually in need of salvation. They need Jesus.
0: Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate that reminder and that point. You know, if we, it reminds me of second Corinthians 10, I believe it is where the apostle Paul is writing even to the new Testament church. And he's basically saying to them, you know, do, you remember, do you remember when you know, thousands of people died in a day, when they were swallowed up basically by the earth because of their you know, sexual immorality, right? And the Apostle Paul basically says, well, take heed you know, lest you be tempted and lest you fall into sin. And I think this whole idea of taking heed None of us are immune from that. none of us are are beyond the capability of falling into grievous grave sin, um, whether on an individual level or a national level. and I think God is the same yesterday today and forever. you know it's the and I believe you know just as God used evil nations to bring judgment upon um, other nations, right He does that and he he can still do that today, and so I think when these things happen, when you see this sort of evil, you know, attacks and stuff um, from nations onto other nations, I think it should be a sober reminder that you know we are all, you know, gonna die. We're we're gonna stand before our Maker, and and you know by God's grace hopefully that that should cause us to to look at ourselves and and to really have a hatred for sin and a hatred for evil um, because of how destructive it is and, you know, what it leads to.
1: I want to urge the Christians who have the opportunity to talk to our Jewish friends to do as the prophet Ezekiel was told to do by God. God told Ezekiel to prophesy to these bones, and these bones came alive. So.
0: Speak God's word to them.
1: That's right. We we need to share the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is the only hope for the Middle East. We need both Jews and Muslims to be born again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and That's by, the
0: only way to true peace.
1: Right. It is by the foolishness of the message preached that God chooses to save people. Yeah. So prophesy to the dead bones of Israel as well as the dead bones of uh, the Muslims, Islam.
0: Amen. Yeah, that's one of my favorite passages in Scripture, Ezekiel 37. Um, it's a valley of dry bones. It's where all of us were before God's spirit breathed life into us and opened our eyes, opened our ears so that we could hear and understand the gospel and turn to turn to Christ for grace and forgiveness uh, through repentance of our sins and uh, trusting in him. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we pray for peace in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, in throughout the earth, and we pray that you would be strengthened and encouraged to share your faith uh, with those around you. So until next week, this is Jason from apologetics.com saying keep the faith. God bless you.